0: And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So Rob, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board, sir.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here this morning.
0: So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And Who do you work for?
1: Uh, so my name is Rob Phillips. I'm currently the Vice President of Software Engineering at a consulting company based out of Richmond called UDIG. Company's been around for about twenty, some odd, you know, twenty-five years, and is really focused on consulting over the last seven years. Let's say background for me, though, I, I've been a technologist ever since I was a small kid. Just dove into coding at a very, very young age. Studied computer science at Virginia Tech. Went off to work at startups. Worked in the healthcare industry for about a decade. Um, then spent another decade in the retail world working for a Fortune five hundred. Where now I have transitioned into a consulting agency, where I can take to take my experiences and share those things with others that are out there.
0: That's great. I love it, and I'm hoping that you've got some confessions that you're going to share along this journey, lessons learned, so our tech leader audience out there listening to this will learn from your experience.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as you as you grow up through your career, there's you know, when you're the individual contributor or the, the first level manager. People are really telling you what you need to go fix. You need to solve a problem. You need this time window to get it done. Um, Here's your budget. Here's everything you need. And you kind of need to dissect that, put together a plan, execute that plan, make sure that it goes well. But as you move up in the ranks uh, and become more of a senior leader on that team or a strategic thinker on that team, you really have to know that at some point, that switch from when somebody tells you of what to do and what problems to solve, that's a really fast transition and nobody typically tells you that that transition has actually happened in your life. So you have to be really pay attention to where you think that inflection point is. And the faster you can make that that jump into understanding the problems, even if they're not problems in your space, but be able to understand what the company's problems are, be able to articulate those to the right people and give them a, here's a direction, not here's the problem um, and we need to fix it, but here's the problem. And here's the next step towards going to fix it. That's the key thing that makes the next the next transition for you, anybody successful. I think every leader that you work around, they're no longer your bosses. They're your peers, mm. they may have higher titles than you, but they still look at you as your peers. And they're looking for guidance and advice from you, not just doing at that point anymore.
0: Any tips? This is a question I was going to ask later on in the podcast, but it seems pertinent to bring it up now. Any tips around how you can ease that transition?
1: I think the easiest part in there is is realizing realizing that you are an adult really don't realize you. I think realize you're an adult. until so maybe you have kids um, as a child. You always looked at your parents and thought, wow, they're my parents. They know it all. Then you become a parent and you realize, wow, they don't know a thing. <laughs> so at that point, you realize, like, I'm just like everybody else. And so as you're growing in your career and working with those around you, you need to stop looking at your boss or the other senior leaders as your team as like your parents and the ones who know it all because they don't know it all. So trying to break down that that barrier to thinking they're the ones that are really superior to you and building a relationship with them where you can simply sit and have a conversation, whether it's around the water cooler or coffee or go out to lunch with those those folks, but start to build those personal connections with them and that trust um, so that when you do have your ideas or you do see problems, it's a lot easier for you to come to them and say, here's something that I think we need to go do, because in some cases, that thing that may need to get done is something that they should have had responsibility for mm-hmm. and for them to be able to, for you to be able to present something of there's, hey, you've got a miss here. And here's an idea of a direction you should fix it. It requires a level of partnership uh, and. of being on an equal ground to have that conversation with them
0: that's great to hear thank you for that advice i think that's really good advice to all us leaders out there and so rob i've got a question around the company that you work for what is the problem that it's solving in the market
1: this company has transitioned from a staff augmentation company or head honey company to a consulting agency they did that about 2015 and have just been doing general software engineering consulting projects whether they're websites that companies need are internal web applications, mobile applications, getting into data and reporting. And now that we've done this for a number of years, what we recognize is there are certain verticals that largely are getting ignored and are not getting the right level of attention. And there are verticals that are, you know, sometimes they're a bit unique in understanding a nomenclature. So what we are doing is we're pivoting again, pivoting again, that's yes, our consulting group to focus on several verticals, one being associations and unions, second is credit unions, third gets into transportation, as healthcare is always out there. Um, so that's where we are trying to pivot and get into some of those specific areas of what what agencies and what companies are needing. And then I think that the next evolution too, there's a blend of companies start talking about being a data-driven company. Now this is, this is again my own personal opinion, but when you talk about being a data-driven company, there is the the knowledge you can gain from data, and there's then the, how do I actually connect that knowledge to make decisions? And the first iteration is, uh, I'm putting them on reports, I'm giving it to leaders, but how do I build the AI, or the brains, and the smarts to be able to connect those into the application to change the experience for your end users, whether they're your customers or your employees? But how do you blend those two worlds to really have data-driven applications, and not just wow. a data-driven insight?
0: Yeah, I love that. That's great.
1: Yeah, that was part of what we did at my at my previous world worked at Carmax, and we built a lot of AI in that space. So I'm looking forward. It was, it was fun. It was cool, um, and look forward to what we can do as a consulting agency to apply that same kind of just the next jump in uh, technology and evolution for some of those verticals as well.
0: Fantastic. So it sounds like you were in the AI space well before it became a cool, funky thing that was in in the news every five minutes.
1: I would say so. Yes. Um, I was, I mean, I did grow up. I don't, I've got 25 years of technology, but, um, you know, in understanding machine learning and AI, I am not the expert in that world. I understand the lingo and mm. uh, I can sit in the room and talk about it. But yeah, we've done, or in my career, we've done some really cool cutting edge things that, um, again, it's not chat GPT and, and that world, but it is really, it's, it's fast moving and it's leading the edge from what a lot of others are doing.
0: Excellent. Sounds really exciting. I've got a question here around your passions as a leader. So I'm going to put the spotlight on you now as a leader. What's the passion that drives you?
1: I really like to, I like to run into a space that is brand new. So let's say you've got a problem as a, as a company and you're like, I have the problem, I don't know how to solve it. I like to get in there and help to figure out, okay, what is the problem? How would I organize and how would I go about solving it? and solving in a way that doesn't get into, oh, this is everything we've got to go build, but how do I take that first step or the first couple steps to get you to that solution? And how do I do that in the cheapest and quickest way possible? And a lot of that cheapest and quickest way possible is in in using the things that you already have in maybe in slightly different ways or in stretching those things uh, to be able to plug them together, wire them together to prove out the concept that's there. Um, and slowly, as we're building that process too, you're also like building the team around it that is going to be able to take that. This concept is, yeah, I think this works, and then they're going to be able to take that concept and flush it out into full-on systems, um, full-on processes that will then help the company iterate towards that ultimate goal of solving that problem.
0: You kind of mentioned offline as well around getting teams up and running, new teams, you know, starting off afresh, and uh, going through those kind of phases of uh, norming, storming, forming, and performing. I guess.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, that's a thing that happens at every every team. You want to talk about forming, storming, and norming, but it's a, to to help teams get through those areas too. It's about building a safe space for those those team members. So your teams. Sure, I'm not going to get too detailed on that. That the four step process it's that every team every group of individuals that gets together has to go through to ultimately get to that you know, performing phase but the other challenge is these teams are always changing you're doing something new somebody's naturally leaving a attrition. but so when you bring people in you have to restart that that process and as a leader your goal is to make that happen as quickly and smoothly as possible to do that it's about creating safe spaces for them creating areas where it's okay to fail it's okay to try something new. It's okay. Make sure we learn this about it and hold the team accountable for what it is they're doing. I do that typically by telling stories um, about what I've done in my life that has, has failed and what I've learned about it. Um, and then telling those too in ways that also show out that what happened in the failure there, it was not catastrophic. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the world. Most of us, 99% of us, I would say is always we are not curing cancer. We are not building software for pacemakers. Now, if you're writing autonomous software to drive cars, please do it well and do it right. <laughs> yes, um, yes. But aside from things like that, I think you're creating an understanding in, in the reality in the grand scheme of the world. What you're building is not going to it's, it's going to cause a bump. It's going to cause a hiccup. You're going to learn from it and we're going to move on.
0: Brilliant. I love that. It kind of really fits that whole agile kind of mindset. And also, I love people speaking to this, is that creating those safe spaces and seeing failure as a learning point. I guess it really pumps up the creativity into the space as well.
1: Yes, yes. Everybody talks, they talk about learning and failures, but very few companies, I think, truly practice and celebrate the learnings that happen there. Don't flip it flop, flop. I've also seen the flip side of it is Mm -hmm. where it gets into experimentation 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 and you lose track of that end goal of what you were truly going after as far as a metric and a measurement and you just forget and say well these are all the things we learned i go but have we actually what's the how much is the needle moved on that end goal my goal is to maybe if i'm trying to increase sales by five percent well let's not just talk about a whole bunch of learnings let's talk about we did get that needle moved somewhere in those learnings
0: and it's an interesting point this, because it's finding a balance between the two and everything's a balance. And depending on certain points in the company's evolution or the product's evolution, the balance is gonna be different. What are your tips to tech leaders out about finding that balance?
1: I think it kind of goes back to the original point when I was talking about making partnerships and talking to those the, the leaders in the company, making them understand or, or getting that comfort with, like, where are they, what are they really thinking and what are they really see, seeing? so that you can figure out what that right spot is for how much investment they're willing to put into something to get some learnings, whether that learnings be, how did I get to my 5% sales increase, or how did I not get to that 5% sales increase? The last thing you wanna do is just continue to present, present findings and present findings and not truly get the feedback that you're looking for. of Are we on the right track? or we still need to still need to pursue this experiment or do we need to just cut it and pause it and move to something else? There's a bit of a candid conversation when you've got as much time and money invested into experiments that to be honest some experiments, that's the point of it. It wasn't an experiments, and you're not going to get the end result. So instead of just keep beating your head against the wall, like, you know what, the return on this is not worthwhile. Let's completely pivot.
0: And this touches on something you mentioned earlier on around kind of data driven or you know, data can give you all kinds of insights and it can create lots of rabbit holes that we can start kind of running down and then get lost in them. Again, it's knowing when to stop. I think that's the art of a leader, knowing and making that decision because no one's going to come along and say, you've gone far enough, stop now. You've got to decide as a leader. Yes. And
1: as a leader, you need to have the big picture because you don't want to stand up a team and working on this this problem. At some point, you need to understand and measure what are your returns on your investment. At some point, those returns diminish. Now, they may diminish to a point where they're still valuable. You're still getting more back than you're putting into it, but... Take the big picture into consideration in that organization. Are there other problems out there that may have a higher rate of return? That you know, it's just like we're good. We're good enough on this track. Let's pause because we've got something else that we need to go experiment and figure out that is even more valuable at this point in our in our, in our lives. And business are going to change. That as technology has evolved and evolved and evolved, things are moving faster faster and faster. COVID moved everybody up to way more of an online world, which I think just accelerated that technology and that transformation to you know, multiple times of increases. So the problems that you may have started solving, you know, in two years ago, those problems may be completely different than new problems may have arise. So don't get too down and focused on that one thing that you're trying to solve. Keep your head up keep your head on a swivel and keep looking at what else is going around around you.
0: Great advice. Great advice. Thank you for that. And I've got a question here around you as a leader. Again, I'm always interested in, um, sounds really bizarre, but pain points. What's your pain point as a tech leader? What do you find keeps you up at night?
1: Oh, what doesn't keep me up at night? That's a, it's a tough question. A lot of the well being of my team keeps me up at night. You know, do we, Do we have enough work? Are they moving in the right direction? Those are things that really, really keep me keep me up at night. Are we doing a good enough job? I I find that that myself and a lot of other leaders, too. Also, we keep each other or we we hold very high bars for ourselves. Uh, We are always pushing and always pushing and not thinking uh, that we are getting enough uh, enough done or our teams aren't getting enough done. Again, I will, I will loop back to the getting those those relationships that you have and the feedback that's there is making sure that you're keeping in touch with those people um, and you're getting the feedback from them of how are you how are you doing how is your team doing what kind of what do you need to do differently that's something that when you can get those I think it it helps me sleep better at night to make yeah. sure that I know that I know where the people around me truly think about how I'm doing and how my teams are doing.
0: What I find fascinating, actually, is technology leaders, most of them I speak to, are very people centric. And you'd have thought they would be more kind of into the technology and just kind of knocking stuff out out. But there does seem to be a great focus on the people side of things.
1: Yes, there is. Um, I don't know that I would say all technologists are great technologists or great people leaders. I think there's a, there's a fine line I, I have seen in my career. I've seen tons of great developers, great problem solvers move into leading teams and they're great at leading teams and solving problems but not great at people leading and people leading um, is again it's about creating connections with people so that you put them into that safe spaces um, safe spaces so they can try new things safe spaces so they will take feedback from you on and understanding how do I give positive feedback how do I give reinforcing feedback how do I give redirecting feedback mm-hmm. um, to my team members and those around me And so when you're looking for that next up and coming leader, it's not just about looking for that tech leader that's great at solving problems that people can connect with and relate to and the people, that person that somebody seeks out for advice.
0: And on the topic of teams and getting the best out of your teams, any tips or things or any patterns that you have, leadership patterns that you follow around making sure that the teams are doing well and they are aligned to what you're trying to achieve as a company?
1: so uh, to get them one to get them aligned is making sure that if, if you're solving a problem there's there's a, there's a book out there by uh, by Marty Kagan called um, uh, empowered teams it's a really great book but i have seen companies take that book and uh and go too far empowering teams and put them like here's the vision of the company you all go solve those visions of the company and the leadership then turns into making sure that the I've got smart people on the teams they are well-funded, they're and they're having fun and they're engaged, but there needs to be more direction provided around those teams first off to make sure they understand within this thing that this company is trying to do, here's their piece of that puzzle so that I understand my piece of the puzzle, I understand the next person's piece of the puzzle, and we are all, we need to be talking in alignment around how are we connecting our two pieces of the puzzle to solve the overall customer journey of what we're going after. And how do we solve that? Because again, it's back to like, maybe I'm trying to lift sales by 5%, but back to being data-driven too, it's how do I take that big problem and break it down to, now these are the pieces they're solving, but how am I measuring the success of each one of those pieces because they are working towards experimentation? Yeah, making sure that people understand what's their role in solving these, these things.
0: That's right. I think you make an interesting point there of, of giving, Again, autonomy and letting people loose is uh, is a balancing act as well. You know, some people think that some of the shifts in uh, ways of working have been to dismantle leadership, but actually leadership and structure is very important. And with the examples that you've kind of seen you know, where it hasn't quite worked out, was that a case of they just literally went with this kind of idea of just unleashing the teams on a vision?
1: Experience that I lived through, that's what it was. There was a big money... The teams got into maybe several work streams, but you might have had 10 teams within a work stream uh, and their boundaries and how they all tied together were not very well known and shared and communicated. And of course, even within a work stream, I think the other piece too is you're always going to have some shared services teams that may be supporting multiple of these work streams and being able to articulate which is important, which you're going to focus on and how are you going to tie your shared service in with these teams is another piece of that puzzle that's that needs to be solved. Now, there's the world too, is you don't wanna always have to look at your leaders to say, hey, I need you to connect all of these pieces and puzzles together and solve all the disagreements and lay out, completely lay out the roadmap for people because um, in an agile world, you need to evolve and think through things quickly mm-hmm. and um, and react to changes. Part of that too is as a leader, it's making sure that um, that people are talking to one another, that they are having those connections. When you were in an office, it, I think it was quite easy to you know run around. You might be at the water cooler, mm. getting a cup of coffee or you know a soda, and um, and you may just talk to somebody. You may run into them in the cafeteria and start talking to them, and you build a relationship, you build a connection, and the next thing you know, you're talking about work problems and truly being a partner in one another and understanding how do we solve this thing, uh, this thing together.
0: And that brings me on to. The next topic, which is around leading remotely, we kind of spoke around of this a little bit offline. The challenges of that, not having those moments where people can just collide. I think you make a, a beautiful term, um, creating collisions of people. You wanna to speak to that?
1: Yes, as I mentioned before, like great ideas always come from two people with two different points of views on something that somehow came together. We're talking about a single problem and somebody provided a different point of view a different idea on how to solve that problem it's always story about google that they i think they put up a sign that just said make search great in their water cooler or something like that and some person solved that problem took a different perspective on it and really helped help create that now in the virtual world we don't have water coolers that we all sit in maybe we come into the office in a hybrid hybrid pattern but you can still do a lot of those things that you were previously doing you have to do them in a virtual world you have to do them slightly differently how do I just reach out to somebody? How do I know when to reach out? How do I make that okay to just reach out between team, team members? When you sat in an office, you could look around your cubicles. You could look around your open floor plan. You could see that engineer, you could know where they sit. Um, you could see if their heads down and coding or if they're thinking, or they, you could, you can tell, like looking yes, at an engineer right. if he's really involved in something, there. or if he's just responding to an email, um, it's really hard to do that in a virtual world. So, Kind of some of those keys that you could do out there is, you know, we all use Slack and Teams or, or whatever platform you use to instant mess and to communicate back and forth. But think through those times of, hey, I need to block and survive, you know, take this time. This is my head's down time. Um, and if I need to reach out, if I'm the other person I need to reach out, I may make a quick little note and I may just look for when they are not in the head's down coding time or in, a, in the do not disturb time period and ping them, ask them that question. We also create, I like to create, we have water coolers that are out there, whether they're tech, uh, water coolers, just it's a channel where people are talking about the latest, greatest thing. Hey, I saw this um, this new technology or this new thing that came out. Um, we create water coolers that are really not even focused around the problems that we're trying to solve. There's a video game water cooler um, at, at our, our organization where people just chat about stuff like that. They mm-hmm. chat about music, those personal connections Kind of, they get people talking about things and you, know, you may end up finding, oh, I've got something in common where I play video games. Well, great, let's get on and play Fortnite together. Yes. And the headsets <laughs> come on and then you're now just having conversations together. There's a number of different ways, but you just have to think through about how do we do that. I've also done, I think about when I was in an office, the office had a cafeteria and you could walk by and see tables open and who's sitting with who and go, uh oh, there's, you know, there's Jimmy and Jimmy's all by himself today. Uh, I've done occasionally done that and just said, hey, I'm going to be on my camera in this channel from noon to one. I'm having lunch. I'll sit there. I apologize for eating on camera with you, but I'm there. <laughs> if you want to pop in, I don't care who you are. We can pop in. We can have a conversation. We can talk about nothing. Nice. Um, but it's again, helping helping people just connect the two dots together. And yeah. hopefully, their, hopefully their attitudes uh, and their communication will fill in the blanks
0: yes i think that's quite a an interesting idea we have these things on some of the streaming channels now where you can watch programs together remotely Um i think that's kind of attempting to do the same thing i've not tried it myself i have to confess but i love the idea of somebody just saying i'm going to be eating on camera do you want to come and join in and have lunch with me yeah. and i guess as, as human beings we have we're learning to evolve into that doing things like that because that's quite a new thing to do
1: yeah um yeah I have happy hours on camera there's a determine a slippery slope that does show up there that you know in in one hand i am using a work laptop i may be using a work system and i may be having a conversation that is not work related that is a world too that needs to be thought through and you need to be cognizant i think of of those conversations that you're having when you are on work equipment using Mm. work enabled or enabled software and communication yes, channels.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. a Good point. That's an excellent point. Next question I have is around organizational growth. You kind of mentioned that you like to kind of go in there and um, start things off, get things going. And then uh, offline, you mentioned retracting from that to let the teams get on with what they need to do, do their magic. What are the foundations for growth do you see that create that the right conditions?
1: Number one thing for growth around an organization. This I will carve into concrete and it's not my idea i actually the, the president of the carmax told me this once upon a time he said uh always hire great people always hire people smarter than you who are better than you who can do things better than you because for you there's or for me there's always something else i could be doing there's another problem but there's something else i could be doing and if i can hire the person that can solve today's problem I can go out and think about tomorrow's problem. So mm-hmm. that's thing number one to, to look for. So when you go out and you start building that team, start to find those people that you trust. Those are your key people that you need to bring in. It's the ones who can take problems, who can explain problems, who can connect with your stakeholders, but there's people that you can put into spots where you can trust them and you can get out the way uh, and mm-hmm. let them do things. And that's the other key thing I think for leaders too is got to get out of the world stop you say think you're micromanaging you're micromanaging get out of that world let your team run and have check-ins with them to make sure that things are are progressing in the right way
0: great that's great advice so as we're coming towards the closing arc of our time together unfortunately rob i've got some nice warm questions for you now we spoke around advice to aspiring leaders out there you 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 shared some advice any other advice you have or any books or Key events that have happened in your journey that you'd like to share here
1: yes so god have so many so many things here let's see if i can how, how short i can make this as a leader too you have to you have to protect your time don't let your meetings don't let the other things that pop up don't let them own your calendar you need to protect your time and your time is needed for just thinking sometimes you need to completely disconnect turn things off and think about the problem or what do I need to do uh, in the future to organize things and, and get things moving in the right direction. That is a life lesson. That's just, it was never taught to me in college. It was never taught to me growing up. I had to live through, got a few gray hairs and <laughs> uh, some, some probably emotional scars. Yes, exactly. From living through these things. But I do I have an executive coach who shared with me Well, let me moved back up. I did a leadership program once upon a time through the society of information management, it was called their their regional leadership Forum, or RLF. You went through 26 books in 26 weeks with uh, probably 30 or 40 other mid level managers. So it was a it, it built me a great network of people that I don't work with, but people that I trust who I can go to and talk to about ideas and just bang things off of. So as you as you go through your career and build that network, there are people that you may not not have that opportunity to go through and do that RLF program, but there's going to be people that you have interacted with, that you trust in your past. Keep connections with those folks, whether they're through LinkedIn or through other social media, but constantly stay in contact with them. You never know when you're going to need them for some idea, whether you may want to recruit them or whether you may be looking for an opportunity um, and they need to come along for the ride. The the last piece of it too is I was mentioning is one of my executive coaches, I was talking through this calendar piece with him, and he said what he did too was he set aside two to three hours uh, at the end of every week. He blocked it off of his calendar and said, "This is when I'm I'm out of the office." He would turn off his phone, he'd turn off his instant messaging, and he set through a series of steps of how do I go about processing my week. I need to check my units. and you need to you need to build through what those steps look like cleaning up my email. I'm cleaning off the stuff in the papers on the post-it notes that have collected across my desk. I'm going through my notebook. I'm going through my digital notes I took, and I'm reorganizing and rethinking about what has has occurred over the past week. And I'm taking all of those things and I'm built, using that to plan out what's really important that I need to deal with. And I keep a I keep a two-by-two two matrix of here's the stuff I've got to go do over the next, uh, the next week. Um, Here's the stuff that I've got to do over the next quarter. And then I keep two other boxes in there of just a general pulse on how's my team doing? How are my stakeholders doing? And I check in on that box almost every single day to try and figure out what do I need to do today out of my my week list. So again, as a leader, you need to pause. You need to figure out time to plan and figure out the strategy for what you're headed to next
0: that's great advice. I love it. I love that idea of protecting your valuable time. We've only got a limited amount of it and, uh, and we do need some space to, to. Uh, no,
1: nobody's going to do it for you.
0: Yeah. Nobody's going to do it for you. In fact, they're going to do quite the opposite and just fill, fill, fill it up with it, their, their needs. So it's great. Any books that you'd like to kind of throw into the mix that you think absolutely you've got to read that.
1: Um, I really, I've really liked, uh, there was a book called Your Brain at Work. That was one that uh, back to my leadership world. Can't remember the who who the author was that one is about again pausing and taking some time to understand where your brain works best or what time of day does your brain work best if you need to do heads down deep thinking are you the type of person that needs to do that work in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening that will help you determine when you need to block off your time to get things done another book called the leaders the leader's legacy really gets it it just it talked through a bunch of stories of how did somebody appear as a leader and what are those things that they did so it's a lot of a lot of great examples of leaders who came into a situation and said hey we're going to go do this but never explained the why behind what it is that they're doing so when he wasn't around because you can't be there everywhere people didn't know what to do they couldn't interpret the why behind everything and the last book that i will say that's out there measure what matters the OKR book by John Doer must be able to figure out how do I measure because if you can't figure out what I'm measuring what am I going after mm. what's the point what's the sake of this
0: thing fantastic great shares there there's a uh, one or two there I haven't read myself I know of them you've inspired me to maybe buy them and all get them off my shelf uh, blow off the dust and actually read them uh, once and for all thank you for that and here we go I'm going to offer you a wish I'm going to be tend to be a, a tech genie for a second what would you wish for for your leadership for your your market for for your organization
1: you one wish um i'm going to i would like to take my one wish uh not really leadership market, or my organization too it's about people i think people trying new things and not being afraid of the the negative that's going to happen behind it there's been so many there's just there's changes in technology there's changes that have happened through the course of, of time virtually every single one of those it, it's changed the way that we've worked it changed the way that we do things but we've learned to adapt we're very very adaptable species uh, and being able to realize like yeah the thing that I did yesterday it may know or may not be the thing that I do in the future but I will have something to do and it will be more valuable and more meaningful to me than the thing I was doing in the past great so don't be afraid of change.
0: Love it. I thank you for sharing that. I'm going to work to try and make that come true because I think it'll be useful to a lot of people, including someone sat right here, me. Um, So thank thank you you for sharing. (laughs) And as we hit the final stop of the podcast, what's your final key takeaway, a gift to our tech leader audience out there as a parting gift?
1: Uh, I would just say that when you're building something and trying to figure out that experimentation world, Don't think about everything that's possible and could happen. You'll get mired down in the details. Just solve today's problem or this week's problem and let tomorrow's problem or next week's problem be next week's problem. Keep an eye on them because you're going to pivot and change and do things. But I don't need to go solve everything. I just need to take that next step on it. Too often I've heard people as we talk through how do I solve a problem? They will then throw back all the, oh, Well, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen or the phrase i hate is the problem is i don't really care what the problem is i'm going to figure out one solution we'll solve that one thing Mm -hmm. and then if that problem still exists i'll go solve that next but i'm not going to worry about it
0: for now brilliant great advice to finish on what a great note to finish on thank you very much rob it's been great having you on cto confessions all right i
1: appreciate it thank you for the time it's
0: been great this morning and finally Remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.